Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. Today, I've got a really special treat for you. Um, we have the amazing, the incredible M. Christian, whose work I've been reading for more years than I want to tell you about. Calling M. Christian versatile is a tremendous understatement. Extensively published in science fiction, fantasy, horror, thrillers, and even in nonfiction, it is in erotica that M. Christian has become an acknowledged master. With stories in such anthologies as anthologies as Best American Erotica, Best Gay Erotica, Best Lesbian Erotica, Best Bisexual Erotica, Best Fetish Erotica, and in fact, too many anthologies, magazines, and sites to name. M. Christian's short fiction has been collected in many best-selling books in a wide variety of genre, including the Lambda Award finalist Dirty Words and other queer collections like Filthy Boys and Body Work. He has also published collections of erotic science fiction, including Rude Mechanicals, Technoerotica, Better Than the Real Thing, Bachelor Machine, Skin Effect, and Hard Drive, the best sci-fi erotica of M. Christian. And I have to tell you guys, in fact, I have read every single one of those. Aww. <laughs> um, you know, it's just in a, cra a crazily versatile um, writer. And so what you don't get is one sort of, this is a standard M. Christian story. Um, so um, I do want to give you the last bit of the bio because I think it's really cool. In addition to writing, he's a prolific and respected anthologist. So he's edited 25 anthologies to date already, including the best um, S&M erotica series, Pirate Booty, My Love for All That's Bizarre, um, and the Mammoth Book of Future Cops, the Mammoth Book of Tales of the Road with Maxim Jakubowski. If you haven't looked at any of the Jakubowski books, go check them out. Uh, Garden of the Perverse, which was great, and Amazons, which Sage Vivant. And actually, that one I haven't read, so now I have one to go get. <laughs> <laughs> He's also a celebrated sexual futurist, both through his novels and short stories, as well as being a senior columnist for Future of Sex, which provides insights into the fascinating topic of the future of human sex and sexuality. And finally, he's also a sought-after columnist for kink and sex education sites like Kinkly, Hot Movies, Fetish.com, and many others, and is lectured at BD BDSM events all over the country. He can be heard on the regular podcasts he does with Dr. Amy Marsh, Loves Outer Limits, and Ralph Greco Jr., Licking Non-Vanilla. Info about which can be found on his <laughs> website, which is http forward slash forward slash mchristian.com, and then there's the podcast tab, but this will be in the notes. Um, so welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so flattered. As you could say, I'm a bit of a fan. Just, just a bit. 
I, <laughs> what I find funny is that we haven't crossed paths at, at BDSM conferences over the years, because I'm sure we've been at some of the same ones. Could very well have been. Could very well have been. I mean, it's such a it's such a wonderful and very intimate community. I'm probably sure we have, but just have, like you said, crossed paths. Yeah, and there's, a, there's, I mean, you know, it isn't really that that large. Yes, we know this to be true. <laughs> <laughs> it has its positives and its negatives, as people who are involved will tell you. So, what are you going to read for us today? Um, today, it's like I was trying to pick on stories, and finally, I just defaulted to the one that a lot of people express as being one of their favorites from um, the Hard Drive collection. Um, so I'm going to be reading a, it's about 4,000 words, and to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of reading. Um, not that I'm not going to or hem and haw and so forth. It's just that I've often found that my writing voice and this voice are very different. So sometimes I stumble and so forth. So if I do, please, I apologize. Um, this is going to, this uh, story is called Pret-a-Porter, which I know anybody out there who's a French speaker is probably, you know, putting their fingers in their ears and going, oh my God, that was horrible. Um, but that's my attempt at reading the title, which if you know French stands for ready to wear, and it's a term used in the fashion industry. Um, the story first appeared, let me consult my notes briefly here. It first appeared in Von Gutenberg magazine back in 2013. And as I said, it's all, it's currently in the hard drive best uh, sci-fi erotica of M. Christian. And so that's the, you know, that's the story I'm going to be reading. Um, if you're curious, uh, I have sort of cast the, the, the story in my mind um, where it doesn't have that many characters, but the salesman I always imagine as being Adrian Lester and the main character is Min, uh, Mindy Kaling, which I hope I, I pronounced that correctly. Um, but, you know, this is, this is, you know, once again, it's like, I apologize for my stumble and it's not huge. So hopefully this won't take me too long. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's brilliant. I wouldn't worry about stumbling, really. Seriously, don't. <laughs> we all do it, and including me regularly. Um, so, with not further ado, I'm going to leave it to you to read. Thank you so much. And once again, I am so flattered and so excited. Thank you once again. This is wonderful, and this is great. Okay, here we go. Uh, Pretreporte. She had to give him that. The salesman was good, damned good. Always reserved, if not eyes lowered shyness, meaning she and the one who never ever got into trouble, a good, well-mannered mind, a near pathological level of responsibility, dependability, and similar abilities, always the friend called when others were in trouble, a smoldering undercurrent of sensuality that, so far, only appeared in the deliberate, luxurious savoring of whatever it was she ate and a secret love of the sliding sensuality of new sheets on her small bed was why Pakuna was there that day being convinced by this very good salesman. With this, he said, running his dark hands over the even darker, no, not quite even darker. It was black as a sky without stars, a spilled liquid pool of fabric. You have to empty your closets, throw it all away, every little bit of it. No dresses, blouses, tights, or even bras. Give them away to friends. Throw them in the street. Oh, sure, you might want to keep a theatrical throat clearing at this point. You're unmentionables, but to be honest, you won't even be needing those. Bakuna nodded the same way she'd been nodding since walking in. Even though the street beyond was more than bustling that morning, she was the only person, aside from the salesman, there. 
reserved, responsible, secretly sensual. That was a lot people could and did say about Bakuna. But being an early adopter wasn't one of them. That she was there uh, would have raised more than a few eyebrows for those curious enough to notice. I love this part, another theatrical whisper, the salesman said, waving his hand over the even darker than himself material. As he waved, the fabric changed, dark becoming a vibratingly bright spectrum of colors, painfully violet, touching perhaps on the ultra, then indigo, blue, green, yellow, orange, and more brilliant than any sunset, red. But color wasn't the only change. As he waved his magician's hand, the fabric changed texture as well, shimmering silk to satin, thick black leather to gleaming latex, comfortable cotton to taffeta, and everything beyond and between them all. Of course, this is a demo sheet hooked up to a viral memory stack under the table here, so it can run through its tricks. The final is mated to a standard cortical interface with a non-mnemonic wireless connection. In fact, it uses the wearer's normal wetware as a supplantive memory store. In addition to accessing the um, occipital cortex, it has an advanced interface with the, uh, uh, I'm not gonna pronounce this correctly, amandali, interior thematic nuclei, and limbic cortex. He seemed to lose focus for a moment, absent for a brief second in the wonder of the product he was selling. We like to say it'll not just become whatever you want, but know what you want before you know it yourself. Being connected wasn't a problem for, for <laughs> Pakuna. It was as familiar as her having a big toe. She couldn't manage, imagine, well, like a lot of people her age, she simply couldn't imagine what it would be like to be disconnected from knowing whatever she wanted to know when she, when she needed to know it. It was just what life was to have it there within mental reach to find out her salesman name, his public persona, any and all information about the development history, critiques and praises, fans and nose upturners. In the scant moments she was able to mentally peer beyond the salesman's seductive patter, she saw confusion as to what had, what had um, allured her through the front doors. Dependable, reliable, whimsy, and impulse were alien to her. What, but she'd been drawn in nevertheless, pulled in by a glimpse inside. He was saying something, but Pacuno wasn't listening. Before she was even consciously aware of it, her hand went to the table, Steadying, uh, hovering, uh, steadily hovering a few centimeters above the smart cloth as it performed its colorful and textural tricks. Then a dark, but not even darker, part of the rolling sea of brilliant spectrum and cascading surfaces rose up to meet her, matching perfectly the length and thickness of her fingers, the width, the width and contours of her hands. The touch was so light, so furtive, that a part of her doubted that it had even occurred. The salesman was still talking, but Pakuna wasn't listening. I'll take it, she said. On episode five of Licking Non-Vanilla with special guest, Miss Ava. Have you ever worn panties? Ralph? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Just a <clears throat> Ralph, go. Uh, uh, on, on, on our, our next topic is... I just love how it got real silent there, Chris. <laughs> I was just curious <laughs> if you knew what it felt well, like. You know, I, I, Chris, <laughs> I can't believe I made Ralph Greco speechless. Well, this know, is a red letter day. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
I can feel the blush halfway across the country. Where's your blood going? That's a clue. Licking non-vanilla. A sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. With your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. She could have worn it out of the store, of course, but she had to admit the Lepidoptera dancing in the very bottom of her digestive tract. Was it beautiful? Yes. Was it elegant? Yes. Was it sensual to agree that Pacuna had never experienced before? Yes. But despite her excitement, the butterflies in her stomach, she didn't want to risk any more embarrassment in a life that, so far, had been far too full of embarrassments. Lessons learned. So instead, she allowed the salesman to box, though it wasn't a box, but instead a portable biostatic container, it up. Back in her little mass-produced single-room apartment, she still didn't let up its matte black tube. Instead, she busied herself with things that, as she had to be honest with herself, she didn't re really need to busy herself with. Dishes that could have waited another day, at least, to be dumped into the recycler, a bed uh, that could have waited another day to be made, a bundle of clothes that would, would never need to be washed, but that could have waited another day to be folded and put away. But then her little mass-produced single-room home was as clean as it could ever possibly made it, make it, leaving her alone with her smart fabric. The container opened with a gentle, though sterile and reassuring hiss. Inside was the same, even darker pool of plastic she'd seen in the store. Without a pause to give her bravery yet another opportunity to escape, she blinked reflexively as her cortical interface shook hands, shook sophomore hands with the material. Greetings, chimed a refined and polite voice behind her eyes, deep inside her mind. Thank you for your purchase of smart fabric, trademark. The salesman had said that the material used well her as both memory as well as instruction for as both memory as well as instruction. And even though, like most people her age, she'd grown up with an immersive reality games, the intimacy of the material's connection made her hold her breath for a second. It flowed, surged, bubbled out of its container, a gentle, even darker tide of warm plastic that was out of its temporary confinement and on her naked body before she could exhale as her second reflexively held breath. It was warm, like another person's skin. She knew it would be, but the com comfort of it was still calming, making the release of that second breath slow and easy. It moved up her body like a splash from a shallow pool, the warmness of it making her relax even more. As it flowed, it stayed black, but just as she noticed that, it changed, rolling through a rainbow of hues, shades, and saturations. As it flowed, it stayed glistening like colorful latex. But as she noticed that as well, it changed, tumbling through an array of textures, contours, weaves, and shapes. She couldn't help it, she laughed. It was like a puppy, fresh out of the box and eager to play. It didn't take her mind long to imagine the artificial, intelligent, endlessly chameleonic material as, weight, as wagging a form of artificially intelligent, endlessly chameleonic tail. Like anyone her age, there were phrases that would appear popping up from old books, movies, games, or just ghosts manifesting in conversation that no one really knew where they came from, or far too often what they meant. But that evening, playing with her new toy, Bakuna discovered not just the playful, the playful happiness in her smart fabric, but that yes, 
you really could lose track of time. Later, she yawned for a second time. She knew that, that a third and longer one was coming. Staying awake for as long as she wanted was an option, but she also knew that the new day would bring more than just another sunrise. She'd exhausted her imagination, played with her new purchase, running it through its color after color, texture after texture, clothing style after clothing style, to the point where she was beginning to repeat herself. A new day would bring, would, be, would mean uh, naturally, would, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, a new day would mean being naturally fresh and awake and maybe ready to step outside. She'd, she'd be the same reserved, possibly even shy, Bakuna on the inside, but more importantly, she'd be wrapped in brilliant imagination of form and color and texture so much more. Haven't seen you before, he said, coming up to her. She sat down at the small table towards the edge of the club only a few minutes before. Safari was his name as well as his theme. One of those spontaneous eruptions of entertainment she'd heard so much about, but hadn't had the courage to try. Tomorrow, it would be a retro furniture entertainment center, all rings and silver spheres, drinks and drugs delivered by endearingly sputtering robots instead of by cloned and chipped wild animals. The concoction she'd been, uh, the concoction she'd been brought by an elegantly dressed baboon was called a sweet whisper picked uh, pretty much at random when the menu was politely pl uh, fed into her consciousness as she parted the tall yellow grasses that formed the door into the place. Sipping it, noticing that it was aptly both sweet and with a delicacy that was definitely closer to a whisper than a loud voice, she felt the butterflies again, but still managed to tell him, I haven't been here before. You should have seen it last week, he said with a gentle bow of introduction. All ruins and wreckage, melted walls and fake nuclear mutants serving drinks. He shook his head at the thought, the smile, both sweet as well as delicate as a whisper, never leaving his face. She laughed, though she really didn't have a reason to. In answer, the smart fabric formed into what she hoped was a playfully erotic mock safari suit that rippled gently against her sin. The, the safari was a third club she'd been into, but the first where anyone had actually approached her. I'm glad I missed it, she told him, sipping at her drink again. Some hits, some misses, he said. His eyes were narrow, his skin closely shaded to her own, his, his, dark hair, his hair dark and his eyes feral cat yellow. He could have been younger than Pakuna's 25 or twice her age, but she didn't care. He was talking to her. To hits and misses, she toasted his sweet whisper of a smile, though I think this might be a miss, too sweet, too whispering. For a moment, his face changed, and within the space of time, she felt a drop of concern. Had she said the wrong thing? Had she lost before she'd even begun? Her safari suit was gleaming latex white with black piping, short enough to be, she hoped, playfully alluring, but not so short as to appear, appear desperate. Her decoutage, for instance, had been carefully planted to be eye-catching, but sweet and whispering, more than loud and needy. That was what she created in her mind, assisted and manifested by the smart fabric, when she heard of the safari, just as she had played with similar designs, with similar sweetness and whispering to the other clubs she visited. But this time, as she, as, she, <laughs> as she felt that deep, vast thump of worry, she also felt a squeeze she hadn't felt before, like the smart fabric was wrapping polymemonic material around herself. But that was just the beginning. With the constriction came a lift of her breasts, a tickle, a tickling ripple across her nipples, 
and immediately made them pleasantly, but obviously hard. Are you okay, he said, the stranger who still stood, but had yet to sit down to join her nearby. Bakuna hadn't realized she hadn't made a sound, but her, her so handsome face um, showed a cloud of concern. I'm okay, she said, hiding her embarrassment behind another sip of her drink. From behind the plastic of the glass, the sweet whispering of the cocktail, she was more than aware of the changes that were sliding and slipping over her body, that she was still alluring in her mock safari suit, but the smart fabric was shifting, moving not just itself, but lifting her breasts and teasing her nipples, but also shortening her skirt. And the more she was aware of it, the more it seemed to shift, move, lift, separate, tease, and rise. But that wasn't all. As she sat there, drinking empty and no longer camouflaging for her expression, the fabric glistened and gleamed, going from her carefully planned sedate allure to pure latex fetish fashion. Well, he said, the warmth of a smile retreating as he stepped back from her table. Nice meeting you. Before she could say anything, he was gone, moving off until he vanished between the uh, between a pair of tux-wearing <laughs> tux giraffes into the artificial belt of safari. Hell appeared two days later, more than enough time for the next team of designers to transform the wilds of the savannah into one of Dante's fantasies. And, she hoped, more than enough time for her to delve into the oddity of the smart fabric. Ever since its playfulness of when hell had been the grasslands, She'd run diagnostic after diagnostic, running the material through a cascade of designs and couture, trying to reproduce its oddity. But no matter what she made it into, it continued to remain as fashionable as ordered. For hell, she decided to be slightly more outre, yet hopefully remaining ch uh, fairly chaste in her selection. Unfamiliar with the theme of the club, she did some research and finally came up with the idea of a latex gleaming, form-fitting, but not too form-fitting horned and spiked devil girl. Before she left her apartment, she spent quite a few hours tweaking and forming the smart fabric into the image she'd formed from various old illustrations of the infernal afterlife. The fabric, instead of misbehaving, seemed actually to be almost frisky in its pliability. As each concept and design flicked through her mind, the material flowed, shifted, changed to match it. Sometimes even the image itself was fully formed in her imagination. Before she stepped out, she made a short commute to the temporary club. She scanned the image of herself from one of, the home, one of her home's cameras, and there she stood, glistening red like a woman dipped in crimson confection. Her breasts were full and lifted, but not as aggressively as they'd been teased during that too wild encounter at Safari. Behind her, moving in tune with her feelings, a not-too-sharp tail wove back and forth, highlighting the curvature of her posterior. Looking at the projection, she felt a tickle of anxiety along with a ghostly warmth of arousal. She chosen, she thought, to fit with the theme of the club, but looking at herself, she felt a fetishistic arousal she hadn't thought she'd put into her selection. But she had to admit she had. The club wasn't that far away, just a few minutes by public transport, so she didn't have that much time to change her mind, which she decided might actually be a good thing. Riding the electric train, she worked slowly and surely to dispel any lingering nervousness. Yes, the smart fabric had done something odd. Yes, it had taken her more than a little, but she reminded herself she bought the smart fabric too. She paused in her thoughts, holding her breath for the briefest of seconds. She felt it, it was there, somewhere down deep in herself, 
appearing in, sav in the savoring of flavors, of textures, of tunes, everywhere when she actually took the time to think about it. The smart fabric was not just what she wanted to be, it was what she wanted herself to be. Hell was the next stop. Next to her, also waiting for the trains to open, was a crimson face and horned man in an elegant suit. Accompanying him was a young appearing woman in a, in a gleaming latex black and white, hypersexualized nun's habit. It was only after seeing them and exchanging smiles with both that Pakuna realized with a remote but chill thought that even though she could have changed her smart fabric at any time and so become just another average woman riding the little electric train, she never thought to. Pakuna, as a gleaming, shimmering, shining, skin-type devil, had come all the way from her little mass-produced single-room home, and the doing of it, the exposure, the way her body felt, the way her body looked, had felt too, had felt too good to change. It was late, though. There was no backing down. She was in hell. The drink was called Risen Sinner, and compared to Sweet Whisper, she'd had when chip lions and genetically engineered elephants had wandered the same space only a few days before. It was almost savory and more than a bit loud, but she had to admit as she sipped gently at the bubbling concoction of carefully manipulated molecules that, odd as it was, the new drink felt a bit more real and honest than the too sweet and too whispering beverage she'd had before. Bakuna also had to admit that, despite the eccentricities of the eccentrics of the smart fabric, she felt more comfortable in her almost skin-tight mock latex demonic costume than she had as a false safari guide. Why she did, she didn't know, but as she stood at the edge of the innumerable smoking pits that dotted the burnt blasted Dante-esque landscape of the Infernal Club, she felt herself twirling her tail and giving her fellow clubbers a devilish grin. Now you, said a fellow in crimson that appeared to represent a fallen angel, crisp and singed feathers, crumpled and sooty gown, and all, look like someone worth selling their soul for. Then, after a playful dramatic slap to his forehead, causing the holographic halo to wobble ever so above his head, added, was that an infernal come on? Bakuna grinned at him, sipping her drink with one hand while continuing to play with her spike-tipped tail and said, I don't know, sounded rather heavenly to me. He bowed, the gesture more than a little comedic, by accident or intent, she didn't know, and introduced himself as Tang. In town, he explained a few, a few moments later, as part of a trade delegation from Free China. She returned the bow, feeling far less comedic and, she had to admit, with a heat that seemed to travel from the soles of her falsely cloven feet to the tips of her curved horns, and gave him her own name, leaving out her occupation as data, data miner seemed far too down to devilish earth for Mr. Tang. They chatted about this and that and other things, laughter coming when it should, smiles and heat when it was needed. For the first time, Pakuna felt safe and secure behind the mnemonic armor of her smart, smart fabric costume. The persona that had formed around her, or that she had formed around herself. Then, when she didn't, when she couldn't exactly say when, uh, then excuse me. Then, when she couldn't exactly say, the conversation turned left when it should have turned right, and the security that had been there only a moment before left her in a blush of self-doubt and insecurity. Are you, Mr. Tang said, all right? The way he said it added much more weight than the simple words he'd spoken. 
the fallen angel sounded as if he had looked down at a devil girl who had only a second before been ready to haul his sinning ass down to a steaming ring of hell, but who had suddenly become a shy girl in need of rescuing. With her own words came another change, so quick and so natural that Kuna didn't know exactly what was happening. The redness of her cheek, she felt, lowering of her eyes. She was aware of the stammering of her words, she noticed, but there was more to it than that. She was a fetish diva, an infernal latex and hellish PVC sprite, but with her blush, the dip of her eyes, the stammering speech, she also sensed something else. It really didn't have words, a form of language, but was still a communication she recognized from when the club was a belt and the theme was hunters and hunted. She was transforming, or rather, she was being transformed. Subtly at first, a pinch there, a pull there, a contour smoothed, a PVC texture altered, but as she stumbled in self-doubt, the pinch became more than that, the contour more and more sensual and even sexual. The PVC textures transformed into far less sweet and whispering and much more like a risen sinner. She tried to slow it, to stop it, to halt the change from playful latex devil girl into a louder, more extreme version. But as she did, she felt the presence of, as a warm embrace of security, as if it stood next to her, hand in hers, telling her through the sexualizing modifications of the smart fabric that it was okay that it really was going to be okay. Mr. Tang had left when she didn't know, but it didn't matter. Bonnefer wanted to run out of hell and rush back home to hide herself as she'd always hidden herself in her dowdy work and predictable routines of invisibility. But a large part and getting larger held that imaginary hand in hers and wanted to let it do what it wanted with her, to change the cocoon she'd woven around herself into free and sensual butterfly wings. No wings, not yet, but as she stood on the edge of the decorative abyss, she felt the smart fabric tickle and flow around herself, doing with her costume and the girl inside of it what it wanted, what she wanted. Distantly, in a far corner of her mind, she heard the echo of the far-too-good salesman. We like to say it'll not just become whatever you want, but know what you want before you want it yourself. It changed, it moved, slid, slipped, altered, transformed. She was still Pakuna, she was still herself, but the smart fabric was making her more slick, more gleaming, glistening. It was bravery and hope and the pleasure she wanted, but she'd never allow herself to see in herself. She expanded and grew, breasts swelling under the changes, but also from being free of doubt and shame. Her ass equally transformed in its own way, and she found herself posing and preening to suddenly staring eyes in hell. Bakuna was still there, still devilish, but the first time she wasn't just taking up space, but was really honestly the Bakuna she knew was, down, was there deep down. The playful, sensual girl, the passionate woman who'd purchased the fabric, who'd seen a door close and a low, low, low down payment had purchased the, the ticket to where she wanted to go. Someone in hell whistled, and, the tone she, and at the tone she smiled, playing with the smart fabric to carry on, to become a reflection of what she knew she, she always was. And with the whistle came the feeling again of a hand in hers, a mind in hers, a part of herself given form, and even a kind of communication. You truly are beautiful. You are sensual. You are sexy, she sensed it saying. 
and always will be. And when you wear me as close as your skin, as close as your dreams, we will be together to find the pleasure you've always wanted. As she didn't have the words, a vocabulary for the space it used in her mind, she answered as though, as, as, so, as, as a thought she could, as she thought she could, while winking at the smiling crowd of admirers, thank you, thank you so much. The pleasure came the answer, not in words, but the intimate embrace of skin and material, almost as tight as two of her own thoughts will be ours. And there you go. Okay, that was brilliant. <laughs> oh, thank it. you so much. You're so sweet. I love it so much. So listen, guys, that's your story for this week. Um, join me next week when we'll have another fantastic story. Remember, if you would like to get the extra perks and swag and interviews and stuff, you need to join my Patreon. Um, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. Patrons get all sorts of extra bits and pieces, and this is so that we can support this podcast and also the radio show, The A to Z of Sex, that I do weekly to keep them going week after week because um, there are production costs. Um, and um, I look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlauribethbisbee.com and drlauribethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lori beth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week. <laughs>